So one of my favorite authors uh, is also a bit of a historian. Uh, His name is Paul Kingsnorth. And he would say that probably the first modern revolution, our first modern revolutionary war, uh, wasn't French, uh, it wasn't American, uh, but he would argue that it's, it's the English Civil War of the 17th century. This is when England killed its king, uh, replaced its monarchy with a a republic, and also when they released a religious revolution that would scorch away the old world. One of those revolutionaries, uh, Lawrence Clarkson, offered a, a pretty radical spin on the Christian gospel. He said, There is no afterlife, only the present matters. Therefore, swearing gloriously and wanton kisses may help to liberate us from the repressive ethic which our masters are trying to impose upon us. (laughs) Wow. Now, if we modernize that language a little bit, it might actually sound like it's coming from the 1960s rather than the 1640s, right? Uh, Some of you are like, I've heard people talk like that pretty recently, actually. But this was a time when everything was changing in England. Uh, And by the way, if this is your first time here in an Anglican church, I I usually don't tell, like, English history stories in my sermons, okay? We'll just consider that a coincidence, okay? So anyway, one of the other uh, 17th century revolutionaries said this. He said, the old world is running up like a parchment in the fire. So here we are now, four centuries later. And again, it feels like we're living in a day and an age where everything is being turned upside down again. You know, back then it was the printing press that allowed the the distribution of of radical pamphlets, you know, and the removal of of censorship and whatnot. Well, now with social media, this amplifies global dissent and chaos, right? Back then, the cultural mores like feudal land ownership and the purpose of marriage were, were being upended. And now we have an unending culture war that is always churning and churning in the headlines, We live in a world today that says we are the opposite of what we once were. We reject our ancestors and our history. And we we are now something entirely new, and we're not even quite sure how to define that now, today. And because of all of this upheaval, this um, uh, uprootedness, it sort of feels like we live in this vacuum of meaning right now, doesn't it? We find purpose in podcasts. We find significance in shopping. We find adventure in advertisements. We are an uprooted people. Well, today is All Saints Sunday. And the more that I think about this day and its significance in the church calendar, the more I come to believe just how countercultural a day like this actually is. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian um, uh, tradition that practiced All Saints Day. But this is actually, traditionally, one of the three major feast days of the church calendar, in addition to Christmas and Easter. Uh, it's these three days. And this is a day in which we boldly and proudly declare that we are rooted in something old. That we are a part of something mysterious 
that you can't measure under a microscope. That we're a part of something supernatural and spiritual. As we say in our liturgy every Sunday, you know, we, we join ourselves as angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. It's as if the roof is sort of peeled back every Sunday and we're, we're reminded of the great cloud of witnesses that we are a part of. And we are indebted to them. It's because of these spiritual mothers and fathers that we are here today now. So we thank God for those spiritual mothers and fathers. We thank God for these teachers, for these authors, these family members, those who have fostered a spiritual curiosity within us. We thank God for those previous generations whose acts of faithfulness have been long forgotten by history but are treasured by God. We thank God for the men and women who carried the faith through trial and tribulation, through war and famine, fire and storm, pestilence and plague, and they prevailed because of this faith, the faith that we're here to celebrate and lift up today, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And ultimately, it's Him who we are indebted to. He is our eldest brother. He is the God-man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who by His faith and by His obedience We have been adopted as children of God. As we just sang in that opening hymn, uh, thank you for the organ. (laughs) As we sang in that opening hymn, O Jesus, Thou wast their rock, their fortress, and their might. Thou, Lord, their captain in the well-fought fight. Through in the darkness drear, their one true light. Alleluia, alleluia. You see, we stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. We stand among a great multitude of saints. And by His grace, we receive an ancient and glorious inheritance. An ancient and glorious inheritance. We love that it's old. We love that it's grandma's religion. (laughs) We want to be a part of that. And we want to pass it on to our children unchanged. And that brings me to our reading from Ephesians. And one small note, too, I don't mean to say that saints are perfect. And I don't mean to say that the church doesn't mess up every now and then. They obviously do. What we are treasuring is the faithfulness of the gospel to pass from generation to generation. So I love this, this, um, this, this epistle uh, to the Ephesians. Call it, I almost called it an, an if Ephesians, but anyway. Uh, so this is such an elaborate and full and, and complex passage. I encourage you to take your bulletin home with you as, as you um, kind of meditate on these things for the rest of the week. And maybe there's another phrase that would jump out to you from this passage that the Holy Spirit would illuminate for you. Um, do you remember those, well, those Where Waldo books? Did you guys ever get some of those? Those are the best, aren't they? So it's kind of like this, this massive, elaborate uh, picture, drawing. Um, I forget the author of these things. And you try to find Waldo in them. But, but throughout them, uh, and of course, it, it's fun to try to find the, the main character. But there's also so many interesting, uh, shall we say, joy-inspiring characters that are hidden throughout the page. So finding Waldo isn't just, uh, it's just part of the fun in all of that. Well, Every, in, in this passage from Ephesians, every individual grammatical phrase is worthy of our contemplation. Yes, we see the main character, Jesus Christ, and his world-altering accomplishments in this passage. But we also see the testimony of the saints. 
the prayers of Paul, the spiritual father of this community. The hope, the glory, and the power of God is on display here. We also see the age to come when all things will be put into their proper place, into their proper order. But the phrase that I want to hone in on is in verse 18. There, Paul says, in the second part of verse 18, he says that you may know what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. Glorious inheritance. When you think about the fact that you're a, a Christian, for those of you who would say that, do you think of yourselves as receiving a glorious inheritance? So here Paul is talking about this treasure that you have when you follow Jesus Christ. And Christians are those who, who cry out to God. They're those who say, I want to be right with you, but there's, there's nothing inside of me or nothing that I can find in this world that can provide any sort of peace with you. And so I need you, God, to rescue me from my sin and darkness. That's what baptism is about. Baptism is, is a physical act of that spiritual prayer. Baptism is, is also when God says, you belong to me, you are my beloved. Just like he said over Jesus when Jesus was baptized. So if you've been baptized into the family of God, then you have a glorious inheritance. And if that doesn't describe you, friend, it is a free gift to you. That's what grace is. It is a free gift to you. If you hear the call of Christ upon you and you want to come forward and receive that, let me know. Let anyone in this church know, Blue Lanyard, the person sitting next to you, uh, let anyone know. We can talk about baptism and, and the freedom and the peace and the joy that comes from walking with Jesus Christ. So let's talk more about this family inheritance, shall we? What is the, the, the fullness of this? I, I, I don't have time this morning to describe it. It is the Christian walk, discovering what the fullness of this inheritance is. And it's beyond our human capacity to even imagine it. Um, but I want to talk about three benefits of this. Uh, the first benefit is for the here and now. And the other two benefits point us to the future. So what is an immediate benefit of that glorious inheritance that we have in the saints through Jesus Christ? Well, the first benefit is that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We are clothed by his reputation, by his goodness, by what he has done. We are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So when you confess your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And if you want to know what that righteousness looks like, just pick up the Bible and start reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you will see the goodness, the gentleness, the, the, the wisdom of Jesus. That's his, his righteousness pouring through. And so when the Father looks at you, when God the Father looks at you, he sees that goodness. He sees Jesus, his Son, shining through you. You are not marked by your past deeds anymore. Now, uh, you'll notice I'm, I'm wearing something kind of strange. Uh, I don't wear this in public, by the way. Sometimes when I hang out with some of you in a coffee shop or something, you're a little surprised that I don't show up wearing these, these robes and stuff. Um, and I've said this before, I'll share it again, but this white robe, it's called an alb, uh, and it symbolizes the waters of baptism. You know, exactly what we just read in Revelation 7, that, that those who've, who've been baptized by Christ Jesus are, are clothed in the white robes of his righteousness. 
So I've said this before, no one's taken me up on it, but as baptized persons, you can come to church wearing a, a, an alb of your own. Um, please do, it'd be so exciting. We wouldn't be weird at all. <laughs> um, uh, and in some Anglican or, or other sacramental churches, um, other people who have roles in the church also wear albs uh, as, uh, as a sign of baptism. And that's meant to encourage the people of God as a reminder that, that we have all been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So let's talk about the next two things. The second benefit, this is future focus. This, this directs our hearts to what will come. There will be a day, because of this inheritance, when it comes to full fruition, there will be a day in which you get to see God. Like, you get to see God, the Creator, the one who spoke and, 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 and the world came into existence, who ordered every atom and fiber of this, of this creation. As we say every week in our, in our Sunday liturgy, we will see our Lord. You remember what it says? We will see our Lord face to face part of our inheritance is that we will per- there will be a day in which we perfectly see God face to face and our hearts will perfectly worship him without distraction without guilt without the devil on your shoulder reminding you of all the junk that you have in your past you will worship the lord purely and beautifully and this is a, a transforming vision Anytime you encounter beauty, it's, it has an effect on you. It transforms you. And that's going to happen when you see God face to face. You, you love your, your sanctification, the way in which God now is, is continually in this earthly life, God willing, by His grace, is transforming you more and more by, into the likeness of His Son. That's going to be turned up to 11 uh, when you step into glory. We'll be more like Jesus in both body, mind, and character. So uh, on January 13th in 2007, uh, I was in Fargo, North Dakota. Do you guys remember that day? It was a fun day. Martin, you weren't born yet. Um, that was, it was before your time. But I was standing in front of the church. pastor asked everyone to stand. And the back doors opened and Molly stepped in. It was our wedding day, if you haven't picked that up yet. <laughs> she steps in. And it was absolutely stunning. I had never seen another human being as beautiful as Molly standing there that day. The, the, I don't know if you know this about Fargo, North Dakota at 4 o'clock on January 13th. Um, but it's dark outside. <laughs> um, I remember we were there earlier in the summer talking to the wedding coordinator and looking at the, the stained glass and just saying, oh, it's going to be so beautiful when the sun comes in. And, blah, blah, blah. and the wedding coordinator's like, oh, honey, like, it's, there's not going to be any sun on that day. But when Molly walked in, the whole room just shimmered with light. It didn't matter that the sun had already set at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Because she radiated with, 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 with more than just physical beauty, there was joy that was just emanating from her. Her kindness was everywhere. Her, her smile was just as big as the room, you know. The, the peace was just going everywhere. Everyone could feel it. And Molly and I, we had been good friends for about, you know, throughout college and stuff. And then dated for a season. So I, I felt like I, I loved her. I felt like I knew what that meant. But as soon as I saw her, I was transformed. The word love, it didn't fit anymore. It was this 
uh, iconoclastic moment where I, I needed a different word. The, the old word was broken. I needed something new. I was transformed by the love of that moment. When you see God sitting on the throne, none of our language, none of our metaphors, no, no, nothing that we know of this world is going to be adequate in describing that moment. We are going to be truly transformed. It's why God says that there's going to be a new heavenly language that he gives us so that we can describe these things and talk about these things. This is just a shadow of things to come. We will be transformed by God. And that is part of the inheritance that you have. It's part of that free gift of grace that you have in Jesus Christ. So thirdly, we will enjoy perfect fellowship with one another. Perfect fellowship with one another. You see, part of our inheritance, it's not just this private ceremony. It's not like God says, okay, you're transformed. Now go sit over there at this table and, and we'll talk later. It's, it's a party. Like it's a huge celebration. Did you hear what, what Revelation said? That there's this great multitude from every tribe and tongue and nation. Every people, everyone will be there and they'll be able to, to fully celebrate who God is. And just as, as redeemed people, as we've received the forgiveness of God, and uh, we'll be able to perfectly forgive one another. There'll be peace among us. There'll be peace among individuals. There'll be peace among tribes. There'll be peace among nations. In Revelation 21, it describes the kings coming and bringing the glorious artifacts of their cultures and, and putting them on display. We're going to have lots of things to celebrate of how God has moved and, and created beautiful things in our culture. It's going to be incredible. We are going to enjoy perfect fellowship with one another. Uh, we just watched uh, that movie, um, what was it? Oh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Have you guys seen that movie? It feels kind of dated, but my goodness, it's so stinking funny. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a story of these two families coming together. Uh, one is a family, it doesn't, you don't really know what their ethnic heritage is. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're like stoic Norwegians maybe. No? You're right. Norwegians aren't... Sto- I, I didn't mean to offend you. Um, some some uh, people who might be very stoic. Um, and they're very quiet. Uh, their family's very small. Um, and, and they're very reserved. Uh, that's the husband's family. Ian Miller is his name. And then Tula's family is Greek. And there's like dozens and dozens of cousins like she she says at one point that she has like 27 first cousins and that's just the first cousins you know and there's this moment when the two families meet um ian and his parents they're driving down the street they pull over they park the car and out of the window they see tula's family and there's like torches around you know people are like in the front yard like singing and dancing and clapping um people are going crazy there's there's games uh there's fine beverages that are being uh enjoyed and there's a big lamb that's being roasted like in the front yard and i was like i want to be that guy like with the lamb in my front yard and it was just a reminder to me of like yes like, I love these cultural, like, mashups that we're going to be seeing in heaven. It was such a foretaste of what happens. And that's, that's what we do here at the table every week. It's a spiritual foretaste. It's, it's a small piece of bread and a small sip of, of wine or juice that you get. But it is supposed to be a spiritual feast, a spiritual foretaste of that great day. That great celebration in which we will join the throng of, of, of uh, the great cloud of witnesses singing salvation belongs to our God. 
And even the introverts are going to love it, I promise. It's going to be a lot of fun. And this is our inheritance, brothers and sisters, that we are declared righteous by the grace of Jesus Christ. We will be transformed to be more into his likeness as we encounter and explore the beauty of who God is. And we will enjoy perfect fellowship with one another. So this is why we bring our children to the waters of baptism. Just as Jewish boys were circumcised as a sign of belonging to the household of Israel, so our children are baptized as a sign that they belong to the household of Jesus Christ. Standing on the faith of their parents, they receive a rich inheritance. And let me be clear, there will be a day in which they have to choose whether they're going to receive that inheritance. They have to accept whether that inheritance is theirs or not. And the nature of that decision is mysterious. And I get cautious in trying to define exactly what that decision looks like. But we want them to grow up with a full, robust, overflowing, and clear understanding that all of this is yours. You belong here. You don't have to doubt that or question that. You belong here. You belong to something that is ancient, something that is old, something that has belonged to your, grand, your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. And if not them uh, biologically, then spiritually. You, have, you are a part of this great multitude. You have a, a huge family of spiritual aunties and uncles and people who love you, people who have been fed and nursed throughout all these different tribulations of this world. And there is mysterious, powerful, and effective grace in these waters. So, Abia, Grace, and Nels, may you receive the righteousness of Jesus. May you receive the glorious inheritance in all the saints and the hope of everlasting life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, your faithfulness endures from generation to generation. Amen.